This is a WTF podcast experience. Obviously being a business owner, I don't want to cut my prices on my drinks to get people in the door. It's yeah. not what it's about. And then people just get smashed and leave anyway. Mm. It's about creating something that people remember. Welcome to Taming the Ferrets, New Zealand's most awarding business podcast. A collection of ferrets is called a business, and here on New Zealand's most awarded business podcast, we tame these ferrets once and for all. We invite entrepreneurs, leaders, and inspirational figureheads to inform, educate, motivate, and inspire. My name's Freddie Bennett. I am an Englishman in New Zealand. I'm also an entrepreneur, author, business owner, and wannabe podcast host. And today, everyone, we have got a real treat in store for you. We have got Ash G, owner of Miss G's, bar lady extraordinaire, (laughs) entrepreneur, figurehead of Taronga, and the person that everyone wants to get to know. Ash, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. And this is your first podcast, is that right? Yes, this is my first podcast. Well, that's amazing. You see, in in the few short episodes of Taming the Ferrets, we've gone from also rands to New Zealand's most awarded podcast, and now now we have the high flyers of Taronga here. We're (laughs) honoured to have you here. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so for anyone that, that doesn't know uh, about yourself yep. or, or Miss G's, tell us a bit about you. Um, so Miss G's uh, was developed in 2019, five months before we hit COVID. Um, it's my first hospitality business. Um, and before that, I was 12 years uh, in real estate. So I kind of chucked myself in the deep end, uh, very much so. Yeah, basically I had a six months experience in working in hospitality before I opened Miss G's. Never really set out to own my own bar, Didn't, hadn't really ever thought about it. I knew my way around the bar, definitely, obviously, mm. been over and um, I spent some time over in Brisbane and spent a lot of time in bars and restaurants over there. Um, but yeah, never really ever thought about owning it myself. So this is kind of like the ultimate learning curve yeah I I think as we said before we started recording a lot of people say and I'm sure you've had this a lot people say oh I've always wanted to to own a bar or open a bar and and you say was it always a dream for you or as you say were you going down that that real estate direction um I was actually like obviously been in real estate for so long I came back so I was originally from Taranaki moved to Brisbane Tried to, I actually tried to uh, apply for jobs in hospitality to kind of get that social aspect of moving to a new country. And the only, the only replies on my CVs that I got were from real estate officers. And so basically the first interview I went into over there, I got the job. So I ended up being in commercial real estate for five years in Brisbane. Um, so then when I moved back home, my parents had retired up here. So they were like, oh, you know, if you want to come back to New Zealand, you know, happy to come and live with us so I moved back in with my parents at 27 years old for nine months and uh it was great <laughs> <laughs> every then, 27 yeah. years dream like yeah. brilliant yeah. with my dad yeah oh it was it was no it was great and then um I ended up moving out but I found it really really hard in Taronga to kind of break into you know a network here and you know, you've got the Mount side, which is, you know, you're a Mountie kind of thing. And the Taronga side is more business orientated and thing, you know, which is good. But if you're not in that business scene, it's quite hard to kind of make, make friends and um, develop networks here. So um, I had the same conversation at a couple of net business networking events that I did through real estate and got a group of friends together who I met along the way. And we created a basically a social networking platform called Initiate. Cool. And it was basically designed well, like for people 
our age, like-minded people, um, age 20 to 40, and, well, kind of around that. So we, I've, just been, I've just left that category. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's I'm, not I'm, that anymore. I'm fully in the middle of my midlife crisis. So um, if you could say 40, but trying to still be 21, no, that would be awesome. Blurred lines around yeah. the age. You know, like, um, so, yeah, we created Initiate, and basically that was, the sole purpose of that was to have create events where people could come along, have a beer, meet some other people. You didn't have to have a job. Like, it was solely about if you wanted to meet other people in Tauranga and, you know, maybe develop some friends or some easy way to get introductions, Initiate was that platform. Over about the space of two years, we grew that to about 3,000 followers on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and, like, we do uh, Friday drinks once a month at a bar one of the, I think one of the records that we had, like 150 people turned up for a Friday beer Amazing. kind of thing. So I saw like this little bit of a like, hey, there must be like an opening here of people, you know, wanting to go out in that mm. age group. But a lot of the bars around town, especially in town, so I didn't really cater for that. Along the way through my events that I did, I met um, a guy called Shine, uh, Sean Murray. He's a very, very talented DJ. He spent a lot of time over in like Sydney and Melbourne DJing over there, like Revolver, like big, nice. big nightclubs over there. We started talking at an event and it just kind of all snowballed from there. We started doing drum and bass and house music gigs around town, sold them out all the time. Mm. And then um, the spot where Miss Jesus now came up and I was like, you reckon we could like run a hospital business kind of thing. And Sean was like, yeah, well, I back you. Um, mm. We've got the, he's got the music side. And through my real estate career, I was always, I was never really a salesperson. I was always a personal assistant. Mm. So I was the middle person that made everything work. So I've kind of carried that into Miss G's. Mm. And I obviously don't have a huge amount of hospitality experience, but I can put the pieces together to make things work. And I think that's where, Miss G's has kind of come into its own because I've got the people who are really experienced in their own bits and pieces, like the bartenders and, and the chef mm. and the music, and put them all together rather than me trying to be like this one-man band and kind of do it all myself. Yeah, that's such a key point, and it's it's something that I've I've learned along my journey. And they call it the producer mindset. Like, yeah. it's actually got a name, apparently, which I yeah. didn't realise. And they say some... I'm terrible with my metaphors, but yeah, with like a Hollywood movie, yeah. you get the producer and they say, right, I want to make a movie. So they go and find someone who writes a script yeah. and then they go to a director and they say, hey, Mr. Or Mr. Director, I've got a script for you here. And yeah. the director says, oh, okay. And they say, right, then I need to find an actor or an actress. And they find... So the producer pulls all these things together and yeah. everyone thinks they just sit there with their feet up, just yeah. kind of like say, you do that, you do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not that easy, but it's... I think it's such a key point because so many people out there, I believe, have have these dreams of wanting to have a hospitality business yeah. or any type of business. And they say, oh, but I'm not a salesperson or I haven't got experience in that. And yeah. they, but what you're proving is that you don't need to have all the experience. No. It's just pulling people together. Also owning the fact that you don't have the experience, but if you can find the people that do have the experience and want to work with you, mm. then giving them that platform where they can excel in their in their chosen field as well. I create opportunities for my staff, for them to kind of really excel in, in what they want to do. Rather than me trying to be the business owner or the hospitality owner being like, me, 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 it's all about me. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm not that type of person in the first place. So it's more about creating the atmosphere and for and the environment for the customers and all our guests 
And it's definitely not like just, you know, I want to own a bar kind of thing. Like mm. I get that all the time from people coming through the bar. Like I've, re- I've always thought about owning my own bar. It is not easy. Mm. It is not easy. And especially if, if you don't have the experience, like which is a lot of people that do talk to me about owning a bar, mm. have never worked in hospital. Yeah. Um, it's, de- it's definitely <laughs> been the, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life, mm. basically, but I've learned so much out of it. Yeah. What what have been some of the, the main challenges that you faced that you didn't think you'd have to, to overcome? Um, well, obviously, next time I, I launch a hospitality business, I'm probably not going to do it six, uh, five months out of a pandemic. Yeah. But the good thing about that, I mean, you got to take, you got to make wins out of your losses, I suppose. Mm. But it's a, it's really given me the opportunity, this would be the third time now, um, to recreate Miss G's and come out stronger each time we've been locked down. Mm. Um a lot of people, I think, have just kind of, you know, run the same business model and just hope like that, like it's going to keep, you know, it'll come back, people will come out again and it'll just carry on as is. Yeah. So much has changed in the time that we've been in, in this two-year process or, you know, two, yeah, it is two years now um, with COVID and the hospitality industry has changed a lot. People's mindset of going out and eating at restaurants and bars and things like that has changed as well. Mm. Like we've got the rise of the house party thing for us to kind of compete with. Yeah. And I think that will be a thing for a little while yet. So you've got all these kind of things outside your control that weren't really there two years ago. But, I mean, that's, COVID's probably been the biggest challenge, obviously, for me. Mm. But also not knowing what I was doing, basically. <laughs> to put it straight, I pretty much had no idea what I was doing at the start. Yeah. But and did with those you say with with COVID and everything else, yeah. think, did you ever have those moments where you thought, "What the hell am I doing?" Or this <laughs> is just times. too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times. Um, yeah, there's been plenty of tears, plenty mm. of uh, plenty of very stressed out moments or little breakdowns out the back of Miss G's, definitely. <laughs> like, I know I try and keep it together most of the time and have a big smile on my face, but I think with, like, any any business that if you if it's your first business or something like mm. that, there's going to be ups and downs. But, um, yeah, there's definitely been a couple of times just being like, what, am I, is this really worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in those moments when when you were having the like the the, the tears out the back and yeah. were you thinking what the hell am I doing? How how did you get through that? Um, I guess because it's been like such a like a long process, and I myself am a very determined person. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just sheer determination and and the the pressure of well, my name's on the door, you know, like mm. it's up there and red, it's lit up at night time, and for some like a business that has become such a like a, a household name around town mm. i almost like would give anything to make sure it didn't fail and if at the mm. end of the day it did fail because of things outside of my control then at least you know i could go down with the ship mm. and hold my head high but um you know that that pressure of making it want to succeed um has always been in the back of my mind but also for like the community as well, like Miss Jesus becomes such a such a space for people to kind of relax and enjoy and make friends. Like we've got like this crew of people who have now become friends with each other mm. through the bar, you know. Mm. So people have got like these experiences and memories that are attached to it now, which is is kind of cool because it's kind of pushes it outside just being a bar, you know. It's Definitely. more of like a, a house, you know. 
which is what we tried to set up in the first place. Yeah. Well, and that's I think people need that at the moment. And like you say, obviously with with me being from from England in the start and and yeah. going through the whole COVID process and it. There has been that shift away from people who used to be going to bars all the time to then thinking, well, how am I going to have fun now? And then they go to house parties. Yeah. But I think people need that space to, to, to come together and yeah. just to meet other people as well. Because yeah. if you're literally just in your house with people all the time, then then you're going to kill each other. Basically. And it's like there's alcohol being served and things like that. Mm. People need somewhere to go you know like it's such a lonely world out there now mm. like you spend all, most of the time on your phone with your head down you you could go a whole day with basically not seeing someone in an office or talking yeah. to someone you know like you need those places still to be there so that people have that outlet and for your for your you, you know your um your health and well-being absolutely yeah i mean and you mentioned the determination that you're a determined <laughs> person where do you think that's come from? Have you always had that or is it just something you've had to develop? Definitely my parents, how yeah. I was brought up, yeah. My dad worked his ass off when I was a kid. We were, lived on a dairy farm and then mm. he was also an electrician, had an electrician business at the same time. Um, so he was working his ass off when, when we were younger. Um, and then my mum, uh, she was a very, very good netball player and things like that when she was younger. And so I've mm. always played sport. I've always um, competed very heavily <laughs> with people. <laughs> so I think it's come right from right from back then. Um, that that definitely for the determination thing. And, and yeah, like I don't like to lose. Definitely. <laughs> Probably, uh, probably one of my um, downfalls as well. Yeah. But I think it, it has to be a positive thing in terms yeah. of, of not knowing how to lose, not knowing when to quit. Because I think yeah. going back to the, the the bar story, that again we talk about a lot of people say, "Oh, I'd love to have a bar. That would be easy, or it'd be a really cool thing." Mm. And then they usually go somewhere down that route, and yeah. then they hit a, an obstacle or a roadblock, mm. and they say, "Ah, oh, this is just too hard." But yeah. but for some reason, you you kept going, which I think is is awesome. Yeah. I always think about that sometimes as well. I, I, maybe like I was destined to end up in this role, not having hospitality experience or not being in the industry has let me come into the industry with a really open mind mm. and seeing gaps in the market or downfalls of where businesses could ultimately just put a different system in here and it might help them here kind of thing mm. um, off the back of covid um the first time we went into lockdown they did like a um the government funded uh coaching like okay. mentor mentorship yeah. so i tapped into that and i got mm. a mentor called liz um and she works for the hospitality company uh, she's located down in alex but mm. i've been working with her every fortnight since kind of thing um and just a couple of things that she's told me and i've implemented that into my business has helped me change Miss g's like overnight Wow. So I think there's a lot of business owners out there that probably uh, think that they don't need help. Mm. Um, whereas if they did kind of say, hey, I, I don't really know how to do this, mm. there's people out there that know how to do everything. So if we all kind of work together as an industry, which hospitality is so competitive, you're, yeah. all, you're all trying to get everyone's customers, mm. right? So nobody really works together. So I've seen how by just reaching out and talking to someone that's got the experience that I don't have has made my decisions in my business so much easier. Yeah, I think that's that's so important. So 
people sometimes believe, or from what I see, that you know, success is limited, and yeah. and that people say, well, if, you know, if if I'm successful, then you can't be successful, or if I'm successful, then then other people can have a bit of success. There is success in abundance out there if if people choose to work together and and also share what what works. Yeah, I mean, you take the mount for example. Like you've got a whole lot of. The biggest thing that we've got at the moment is Tauranga CBD has been really impacted by all the construction and stuff that's been mm. going on there. So Miss G's is obviously impacted by that. But you take the Mount, for example, and you've got a whole heap of, of businesses down down the main street. Mm. Each have got their own offering, and they kind of each complement each other. So mm. I'm not sure what it's like to work over there, but I imagine that a lot of them pro- probably work together pretty well. Yeah. And you do the flip side, and then you get to places that don't really work or don't have that community aspect um, and it's kind of each to their own. You, mm. don't, you know, you everyone's kind of copying each other and things like that. So yeah. you're just your own worst enemy, really. We've just gone through this process with the council and changing the closing times for the downtown um, mm. Tauranga and trying to bring that back uh, forward, and, well, back an hour to 2 a.m. And the fallout from what that would do, it would be immense. But what it's kind of shown is that there's no one really leading or there's no community aspect of the hospitality scene in mm. Tauranga at the moment. So I've put my hand up being like, I will do this. If you give me the tools, mm. I will do it and bring it together. And then you can basically, from that point, the goal is to rejuvenate the hospitality scene in, in mm. Tauranga, which will then work in with all the other stuff that's going on down there. That's really interesting because when uh, I used to live in, in Manchester in, yeah. in the UK for a while, you know, Big party town, you know, full of you know the nightclubs, <laughs> like the house music scene, the techno the scene was. Yeah, it was. It certainly was a dream for me about a about a four day never ending dream. I think that was probably the other problem. But that's a whole different podcast. Um, and, and what they did in Manchester, it's I'm going to try and stay impartial here. I yeah. think it's very easy for certain individuals in in the political side mm. to point the finger at bars and say, mm. you know, we have problems with crime with violence mm. with people drinking too much with antisocial behavior and it's all the bar's fault yeah. and what they did in manchester is they they called it a a nightlife czar which is like a not an english word but like a, like a the, the role you're describing yeah. like someone who's you know takes responsibility and ownership for bringing all the different bars and clubs together and yeah. and this guy was uh, was a guy called sasha baron who ran one of the big um nightclubs called the warehouse project yeah. which was um yeah it was Certainly a crazy night where they, um, yeah, they, they overtook a, like a, an underground car park that was underneath the main railway station and yeah. then just said for 12, for 12 weeks of the year, they, they, Ran ruled, yeah, they, uh, they ruled the town basically. And Good. I've had, yeah, it's like a scene for the walking dead at seven yeah. o'clock in the morning the yeah. next day with everyone's kind of like just staggering <laughs> down the street with massive eyes. Um, <laughs> So I'm told, I, I will hasten to add, <laughs> allegedly. Um, but I think it's very easy for, for say, for, for councils to say, like, bars are the problem. And yeah. by, you know, changing an opening time or, or doing something else, it's going to solve the problem. I think New Zealand has the biggest problem with the amount of bottle stores that they have here and how easy it is for people to buy copious amounts of alcohol. Mm. Like, if we've got this rise in house parties coming off the back of this um, hearing that we had with the council, they really have no idea how how many bottle stores we've got in New Zealand. And all you're doing is basically cutting the wings off hospitality 
obviously we're dealing with inflation and things like that at the moment. Mm. And so the first thing that gets cut out of people's budgets is going out to our bars and restaurants. Yeah. But you're providing them with a bottle store just down the road that you can go and get a, a 20 pack for 25 bucks, or something mm. like that, you know, and then all they're doing is sitting at home, smashing back their box and then going out to town and causing fights. Yeah. So I think as a, as a country, we definitely need to look at our bottle store and our off license procedures and, and basically hone them in. Like there was a, a article in one of the papers around, um, with a group of residents, requesting that the council decline a bottle and off-license application mm. because it was, like, right next to a school. You know, like, this shouldn't be a thing even in the first place. Yeah. So 80% – we just did a – like, read all the reports from Hospitality New Zealand and there's over 80% of um, alcohol transactions or sales in New Zealand per year mm. is off-license. Really? Bottle stores. Wow. Yeah. Not hospitality, not, not, ve- not our venues, mm. but yet – the venues are the the first ones to get there to get in trouble, basically, and and the finger pointed at them like this yeah. is the problem. It's not the problem. It's probably the safest place to drink is in a venue. Mm. We've got staff, we've got security guards, we've got you know trained trained um, duty managers and that to kind of look after people. Mm. Whereas you've got a house party down the road with two hundred people, you know. We don't so- know what's going on. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, in, in England, this was one of the things that the shot me here. We, we don't have the bottle shops, so you could go into your equivalent of Countdown yeah. and fill your trolley full of whiskey and vodka. Yeah. And, and so there'd be none of that. And, you know, and yeah. as, as I know too well, you know, you pick it, you know, you say, right, eggs, bread, milk, litre of vodka, and then, you know, <laughs> go go on your, on your merry way and then go yeah. to a house party. But I think yeah. it's, it is something that I believe we have to, to bring back around the, the atmosphere of, of bars and what they bring to the community yeah. uh, as well, because I think that it kind of goes on a roller coaster. And yeah. the way I see it, you know, they're a massive hub of the community. And then you know, for a while, I think the whole nightlife, especially well from, from England, just yeah. turned into being more of a just on a mission to, to get yourself messed up for a while. But I think yeah. the whole community side of it is, is really coming back. Yeah. And I think that's why Miss Jesus has been so popular mm. um, because, yes, okay there's going to be people that are uh, on drugs or whatever, like this is 2022. It's how you manage it, basically. I believe that people come to Miss G's because I've had people comment on the atmosphere that is created there. And, you know, like my staff behind the bar fist pumping and, and getting into the music at the same time, and I encourage that. You know, mm. like, you guys are working a 12-hour shift. Like, make sure you have fun kind of thing without getting wasted, obviously. Mm. It's more of like the atmosphere that comes from the back end of the business flows through to the front. And when you, the, the goal is, is that when you walk into Mishis on a Friday or Saturday night, you instantly feel the vibe kind of mm. thing rather than the cheap drinks or, you know, whatever that's going to bring people in. Because obviously, being a, a business owner, it's not, I don't want to cut my prices on my drinks to get people in the door. It's yeah. not what it's about. And then people just get smashed and leave anyway. Mm. It's about creating something that people remember. Definitely. Yeah. And and how do you do that? Everyone says the same things. First they say, oh, I'd love to own a bar. And then you say, <laughs> what would it be like? And they'd always say, oh, I'd be an amazing atmosphere. People yeah. would have an amazing time. And you're like, well. But I think you know, everything around atmosphere, vibe, culture, yeah. that's not something you can plan on a spreadsheet or no. create a PowerPoint presentation for. It's that kind of, it's that that secret sauce yeah. that, that you can't even, that's just, you know, it's literally in the atmosphere. Like how, how have you done that? 
I'm not the type of owner to give my staff direction and then just go home kind of thing. Mm. Like, there's not many weekends at Miss G's that I haven't mopped the floor at 4am in the morning. Like, I will do the dirty jobs. Like, I'm not above that type of staff Mm. because I own the place. I know there's a lot of hospitality owners that they want to own a bar or they want to own a venue and they don't want to do anything kind of thing. Like, Mm. I get that. But I also believe that by doing the jobs that I do in machines, the staff respect and and then also the customers see me on the gr- on the ground doing mm. the shit, you know, and it's about respect a little bit and I think that's what keeps people coming back is mm. a lot of the customers that we have now as our regulars have seen me go through the ringer for the last two years with lockdowns and things <laughs> like that. So they appreciate what we've been through, mm. and I think that's a bit different to just any restaurant around town now. Definitely, uh, yeah. It's the whole thing about leadership, where a lot of people have the idea. Totally, of, I think you know, there's there's a difference, and as someone, I always love to to really mess up my metaphors on this podcast. There's a difference <laughs> between someone who says who's leading their team up a mountain, yeah, and some people are the people at the back saying, "Go on, get up there." Yeah, other people are at the top saying, "Come on." get up here but there's some people that are there you know with the with the crowd just yeah. saying let's go up this mountain together yeah. i think that's the the best way to to get the best results from people yeah totally and and i think just having you know staff in there that can see me doing that stuff as well like i've had um comments from a couple of the girls just like i've like i've never worked in a bar where the owner's kind of in there working with you all the time mm. and it's like but I like to I like to meet all my customers and, you know, I like to kind of, you know, see what it's like for you guys to work. Because mm. it's very well for me just to be like, you know, you do this, you do that. Why aren't we making targets kind of thing? But yeah. Unless I'm in there understanding how the flow of the bars working and mm. things like that. And um, there's a whole heap of technology that I've just put into machines that I wouldn't have known we needed mm. if I hadn't been in there working in the systems, you know? Definitely. Yeah. What what sort of, of, of improvements and technology have you put in? Oh, so when we when I first opened machines, we just had a, um, like a standard pause that like a local, like everyone, all the bars and restaurants and um, venues kind of use um, like server-based, um, big clunky computers and stuff like mm. that. The um, software that we had was really old and it wasn't really integrated with anything and um, it made it really hard for me to kind of launch a, a loyalty system or make it really easy for me to get specials out to our regulars and things mm. like that. So that whole side of the business has really been neglected in, in such that it's just been too hard mm. because nothing talked to each other. So you've got your pause, then you've got your loyalty system and your email database and um, your stock control. All mm. of these were all different systems. Wow. So we've, yeah, <laughs> admin. Yeah. yeah, admin. And that's people just with that imagine, you know, <clears throat> the, with people imagining owning a bar and they could just, you know, this glamorous image of them sitting at the end of the bar, just kind of like pouring yourself a glass of champagne yeah. and be like, welcome to my bar. Yeah. But actually, like, yeah, stock, admin, yeah. supply chain, all that stuff. It's it, huge. Mm. It's huge. And like, um, you know, by the time you get through all of this stuff that you need to do to make sure that, so if you do get it working, obviously you're, you're going to know how much money you're making every day because mm. everything, all your stock's going to be, you know, accounted for and all your sales are going to go through and your loyalty system's going to be working really, really well. But I didn't have any of that. Mm. And we, were, we were still running a very old school pod system. So I'm, I've just spent the last month and a half while we've been in red light 
having some time up my sleeve, mm. yeah, um, to basically redo the entire systems, all the systems that Mishis runs, which I'm excited about and I'm hoping that it's going to allow, uh, first of all, a better customer experience. You'll be able to sit down, order from your table. The wait time on drinks will be a lot less because obviously coming off the back of um, COVID and we don't have heaps of people in the hospitality industry at the moment, mm. we've got a crisis for um, staff shortages. We won't need to rely on having those floor staff to get our orders through the till. Yeah. So hopefully people will have less wait time and mm. more fun time, you know. Definitely. So um, that's kind of just been always in the back of my mind. Then having like app ordering on your phone so you can walk in, scan and then away you go kind of thing um, allows my bartenders to spend more time on hosting mm. and talking to customers and um, or creating drinks and things like that. So it's kind of alleviating one stress here and, and, and adding uh, allowing us to work on and, and critique other other mm. parts, which I'm really I'm really looking forward to running all this out. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean I've I've been searching more and more into the hospitality industry and I yeah. in my naivety just thought it was a case of you walk <laughs> into a place, you get a drink or you get some food and you have it, and then at some stage, yeah. depending on how good a night it is, you either go straight out or yeah. you go out at twelve hours later. But yeah. All of the, the the processes and the sales tactics as well, like I know this is more for, for restaurants, but people saying things like any restaurant can double their profits almost just by asking customers add-ons. if they want, yeah, add-ons, yeah. you know, and, yeah, do you want add-ons? Asking them if they want dessert when they're ordering their starters, yeah. all these sorts of things, like you just don't realise, but they're these, these tiny little switches that you yeah. can pull that really make a massive yeah. difference in the business. And that's like the bars and restaurants around New Zealand that are, absolutely can like killing it mm. like i look at those restaurants just being like oh my god like you guys have got it like working so well i can't wait to be where you guys are mm. and like but i compare like i'm probably my hardest critic but i compare myself to people that have been in the industry for like 20 plus years and mm. of course they're gonna have the know-how of to how to upsell fries and things like that i'm still learning that <laughs> <laughs> but I've got my goals kind of set of wanting to be like where those guys are now, you know, mm. so, um, which I never, ever thought I would ever be because <laughs> I was always the one that was like in there to just be on the other side of the bar. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's so many of us fall into that trap of, you know, we, we want to be somewhere. And yeah. yeah, it's like here on the podcast, we, we always say, I'm sure Joe Rogan is there in, in his mansion saying like, shit. <laughs> Those taming the ferrets guys, like, <laughs> oh no, like they're they're really going places. What do we do with yeah. this when he's crying into his hundred dollar notes or something? <laughs> but like, it's the same thing. We we can't compare ourselves. Well, I do compare myself to yeah. the likes of Joe Rogan, but you know, we, it's all about our journeys. And I think yeah. being better than we were yesterday, not looking at the people who are who are twenty years down the yeah. line and saying like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to make it because I'm never going to be as good as that person. Yeah. And it's it sounds like it's a lot of. Like like a mental battle and self-confidence. Yeah. I've definitely had to learn how to back myself. Obviously, I've got no... I didn't have much experience and I'm trying to turn around and tell people how to make a cocktail. You mm. know, like, <laughs> it was quite hard, obviously, but I took it upon myself to really learn. Like, the, the first night that Miss G's was open... I didn't know which one was rum and which one was whiskey. Like I had to turn around to it was my partner at the time. I was like, like uh, I'm not really sure what which one I meant to pour for a rum and coke. 
<laughs> so I've gone from that to, you know, like I know how to make cocktails now. Like I'm not the best at them, like compared to what um, like Eli and some of the guys that, my, that work for Machines are. But I'm always up for learning. If I don't know how to do something, I will make sure that I know how to do it mm. kind of thing. Um, and like the new, the new point of sale system that we've put in, they said, send us your menu, we'll go in and we'll create it for you and it'll be back with you in five days. Mm. I was like, mm, no, I need to know how to use this system so that in the future it's foolproof and I can teach my staff how to use it mm. in a bar environment. When it's going, it's fast pace. And Definitely. so I need to know how to troubleshoot that straight away. So, yeah. And I've realised that most of us would be like, oh, yeah, you know, you guys said, I've, I've paid you some money. You guys have said it's going to come back in five days. Brilliant. Yeah. That means I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But then if you do that and if you take that easy route, yeah. from then on, you're kind of out there beck and call. Yeah. And, and you're, you find yourself begging. And I've been there this place loads of times. Like, yeah. You find yourself begging people. You know, you're crying to a, to a chat line at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> sounds because like something I've definitely totally, been there oh I've definitely been there it cost me a load of money um, you, you're crying to a call centre which sounds a bit better at yeah. <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, you say oh, I can't do this help me with that and yeah. And, and I think it, these little things all stack up and make us feel like we're coming from that place of scarcity or fear because yeah. we're telling ourselves I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Whereas if you at the start say, I know this is going to be a bit of extra time and it's going to be a pain in the ass, yeah. but if I can learn how to do it, and that, that might go for you know, emails, websites, yeah. financial software, all these things. Yeah. We all want the quick fix and just say someone else deal with it. But yeah. then we're, we're kind of indebted to them because yeah. they've got a skill that, that we don't have. But that's what happens though. You get so reliant on all these external things or companies running your software for you that... If something goes down, uh, you bug it pretty much. And then that's when the fees and everything come in of like service fees and call out fees. So I I just said, like, if, if I can learn how to use this system right from the word go, it took instead of five days, it took me um, a month in my in my free time, free mm. time being asterisks kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, um, it took me four it took me four weeks to to build the system myself. Mm. And it's probably still not ready, but we're launching it this week. So I'm just going to go get, give it a go. But I'm glad that I did that. And I'm glad that I kind of made the decision to put myself through the ringer and learn the system because now I can confidently open it and know that if something goes wrong, mm. I can sort it. Definitely. But I think that's the way that I take everything that I do in the business as well. Yeah. yeah. And and you mentioned um, you know free time in air quote, <laughs> which, which is great on the podcast. I'm doing the whole air quote thing. Air quote. Brilliant. <laughs> Listener, please imagine me doing some air quotes really badly, <laughs> like two demented rabbits. Um, but uh, we talked about, you know, free time and the fact that you're, you know, mopping fours at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, this podcast is about taming the ferrets and all yeah. aspects of your life. Is it all encompassing? Do you get time for, for a, a home life? Do you have other things that you do outside of the bar? So the dream was when I opened Miss G's to run it for work. I, I set myself a two-year goal. Mm. I would be there every day for two years, basically. I said that to myself before I even opened mm. because I wanted to create the culture where my staff respected hard work. And to today, the staff that I have there, 
do for some reason end up with this pretty cool team where you know people aren't they're not above or below kind of thing like mm. we're all on the evil player field we'll all he- help each other out if my chefs don't have anything to do they come out and they polish glasses like there's mm. no in hospo there's a very much like kitchen versus bar yeah. kind of thing so we've kind of got rid of that a little bit after two years going through covid mm. um, i haven't really hit my goal of kind of been able to stand back a little bit especially because we're dealing with staff shortages and things like that yeah in the ideal world i would still like i still want to be there working and 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 seeing the, my guests and and creating that community feel because that's why you open it right mm. yeah like you you're a people person if you open a hospitality business like, you know i loved I, I loved what you said there as well because you said you called them guests and in yeah. so many bars it's like customers you know like yeah. like a walking wallet who's gonna they're gonna come in i'm gonna like turn them upside down and shake them for as much as i can yeah. and kind of send them staggering down the street but yeah. But you call them guests, yeah. like like you're inviting them into your home, yeah, almost, which is awesome. Home. And like the whole th- the whole theme around Miss G's was trying to set that up to to feel like you're at my home because mm. the whole uh, well one of the one of the places that Miss G's came from was uh, was having house house parties uh, and they were getting up there with like seventy to eighty sometimes people <laughs> turning up. So and I got sick of cleaning, but um, <laughs> the look and feel was meant to feel like you're at someone's house mm. rather than standard restaurant kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, awesome. What's the plan for you? So you mentioned the, the two years and everything. Yeah. So what what's the plan next? Is there going to be is, is Miss G's going to be the New Zealand version of the Hard Rock Cafe? <laughs> Every every you know, every Auckland, town has one. Dubai, New York, Vegas—they're going to be everywhere. I thought about like creating something else, but like just with our like what's happened with um, you know COVID and and making it like so hard to get staff and stuff like that around mm. town. I really just want to focus on making sure that I get Miss G's to the point where I can be like hopefully I can be satisfied one day but yeah <laughs> it's it's I want it to get it to a point where I can go on a holiday which I haven't done wow. for three years mm. yeah and know that I've got all the systems in place and everything runs smooth enough for my staff to feel confident if I'm not there mm. at the moment we're not quite there I understand that and I'm a bit, bit of the one to take it on myself and then just you know sort it all out for everyone and just hope like hell you know we satisfy everyone (laughs) but that will be the goal is having a holiday definitely and I would love to create space in my life to put back into the hospitality industry um like coming from a corporate background and being treated so well by the employers that I've worked for um previously Mm. coming into hospitality industry and talking to people and listening to some of the horror stories that these these uh, people are working Mm. for like some um owners out there that just couldn't give two shits about their staff basically i i don't i don't think an industry should have those people and it's kind of re recreating i'm trying to say recreating the hospitality industry in new zealand to be able to um, really help people shine. And in New Zealand, Mm. hospitality is not really seen by Kiwis as a career. Mm. It's a stepping stone. It's something you do while you study. But it's super hard to be a really good bartender. And it's uh, like being a chef and creating really amazing food is Mm. really hard. Like you've got to know your shit. Definitely. But 
people are the first, you know, if they go into a restaurant and they have a really bad experience or something like that, they're straight onto Google and it's a mm. one-star review and things like that. Whereas they probably couldn't cook that any better than what that chef cooked it, you know. So yeah. there's a real lack of respect for really talented people in, in New Zealand hospitality and I would love to be able to put my efforts into somehow showcasing mm. the skills that we have. I think there's, there's you know, coming in here from, from an outsider as such, I think there's, there's so much talent and passion and, mm. and charisma because coming from England, if I see another bloody hipster bar where they're <laughs> serving me something with berries and flowers and, and stuff in, but but these these are chains of bars and they, yeah. it's the kind of thing, it's like you try and, it's what I say, they've, they've got a spreadsheet for passion and yeah. they, they try and recreate that, that energy, but you know that... You know, uh, a hedge funds probably designed the menu to be yeah. perfectly profitable and everything else, yeah. and you just can't create that that like that cheeky charisma and, yeah. and that vibe. That's what I love about bars like like yours. That you you know you go you never quite know what you're going to get, what you're going to get, and what <laughs> random things going to happen. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it, it could be that thing where you never know if it's going to be the best night of your life. Yeah. And I think that it's bringing back that excitement and that anticipation when you walk through yeah. the door and it's like that that buzz that you get I think is is so powerful yeah I cannot I honestly cannot wait till when we get to have the dance floor black at Miss G's and mm. I remember the first time we came out of the, after the first lockdown and like I just poured my heart into creating Miss G's and getting it off the ground and then just as we were coming to hit us like hit a um like getting regulars in and things like that mm. when the first lockdown happened um, once we came out of that and people flooded out to hospitality because they'd just been locked up in their houses for mm. two months, um, I remember standing in the courtyard at Miss G's and the place was just absolutely heaving. Mm. And I just started crying, like broke down, just like it was almost like the sense of relief had just come off my shoulders. And I was just like, this is, this is why I created it, just like seeing the place heaving everyone's having fun talking to each other and and having a good time mm. and those times people still talk about now when they come into the bar like yeah. can't wait to have it like what it used to be kind of thing so i think a lot of people are really getting uh, more respect for hospo and our bars and our venues mm. off the back of having it taken away which is cool definitely i mean it's the worst way to go about it but um, I'm excited for what the next... I mean, the next year or so is going to probably be pretty hard with everything that's going mm. on in the economy and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm excited for what it could be like in a couple of years. And are you excited for the borders to open and all those bloody Brits to <laughs> come? Brits. Oh, God, they, I hate them. Like They do my head in. They just arrive here in New Zealand with their funny accents trying to start their bloody podcasts. <laughs> Can't believe it. But, but you know, are you excited about the borders opening? Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, some fresh, some fresh uh, blood coming through and things like that for the hospo scene as well because... Um, you know, in France, it's a, it, you can go and go to university and study hospitality. Yeah. And I think a really cool thing for New Zealand would be some type of hospitality unit standard for kids at school. Learning how to look after someone else or, or they get that little bit of respect of what it's like to work in a bar. Mm. Because there's a lot of people that don't know what it's actually like to work in a bar. Um, or a, like any type of hospitality business, and it's crazy, isn't it? Because I always think in in my life when I've when I felt a bit lost or I haven't known what to do or I'd be worried about money or whatever it is, I've always yeah. said to myself, just focus on serving people, yeah, and the rest of it just sorts itself out, yeah. 
but for some reason, hospitality, this whole thing of, of service is like, I'm, I'm here to be served by you or yeah. by, by, by my waiter or by my barman. And I think it's the wrong way around. I oh, think we should 100%. look to see how, how can we, you know, I always try and teach my kids, you know, to be polite to, to, to bar <laughs> staff and everything. Cause it is, it is about service. Yeah. I think it is, it's a quite a, it's quite an intimate thing. Like yeah. is that sort of weird relationship that you have with, with someone as you're serving them, yeah. but um, it shouldn't be, be overlooked or, or mistreated. I don't think. Yeah. And I think, the the people that work in hospitality that obviously have like a bad they have a bad experience or something with a customer and that really it really hurts them mm. and their confidence. Whereas I think if you're going out to a venue and you're going there to be served by someone else, then you should be going out with the best interest at heart. Mm. Really, these guys like some of my staff can work up to fourteen hours in a day and mm. then turn around and do it again the next day. Like how many people out there are willing to do that? Exactly. But yeah, if they slip up and they miss their fries off a thing, like mm. a lot of people are like, oh, you know, like you're a shit bartender or whatever. But these guys are like, they, they are putting it all in, especially, especially at Miss G's. Definitely. The amount of stuff that we're doing in there. I know, it's, yeah. it's amazing. My uh, my best service story was I was, uh, I was at a family, uh, you know, like a family event in a bar or sat along a long table and I was sat there and I'd, it must have been an important event because I'd ironed yeah. a shirt and, uh, and you know, I had to put my, I sprayed my, my old spice or whatever it is on yeah. and uh, <laughs> just sat there feeling Delicious. quite, yeah, exactly, yeah. I wore matching shoes for a change and everything. <laughs> and the, the barman came over with like a whole tray of, of beers and drinks yeah. and like he literally poured, like they all went over me, like the, the tray oh, hit no. me. I had about 10 beers, just yeah. that whole sort of, not just the whole like, oh, I've got a bit on my shoulder. Like I, would, I could take off my shoe and like pour a pint <laughs> out of my shoe. That's how wet I was. And he just... You just have to sit there and you're like, well, he didn't. I don't think he did it on purpose. And no. you just kind of like, it just shit happens. Yeah, like, and shit it's, happens, yeah. But, um, but no, I think, yeah, we, we all have those those stories. And, yeah. and I was going to ask you a couple of final questions. Yeah. Is there one hospitality venue that you think Taronga is missing at the moment that um, that you'd like to create? Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like if we could somehow open up the CBD to be like a... Um, like in Wellington where it's like a the whole area is like a licensed area and mm. so because at the moment we've got all these liquor bands around town so if you're not in a venue you're basically in a liquor band so you can't drink outside the venue mm. I feel like if we could kind of lax that and create basically a downtown to be just like one this one big vibe where you mm. could go in and out of venues and stuff like that a lot easier it would be really really cool yeah. um, and definitely I, we definitely need something on the waterfront down in the CBD Definitely, that'll be, be banging. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we can make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I did get an email in for someone asking that um, can we have a, a strip club that is uh, featuring men. So. Um, oh really? Well, yeah. There, there you go. So um, I don't, if I'm short of money, then it's always good. If the podcast doesn't work out, then um, a male, then, yeah. male, yeah, yeah. Yeah, strip club. I know. I'll, I'll be able to put some food on the table. Yeah. Hopefully, not very much food though. But <laughs> um, but yeah. And I think the the final question was going to be before we have the mystery question. Yes. Was if if someone yeah, let's call them Eddie and they're from somewhere in Europe and yeah. they they come to you and they say, Ash, you know what? I've been thinking about opening a bar, yeah. a hospitality venue. What would you say to them? Be prepared to work hard. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Be prepared to work hard especially if you're coming from a different like for me I was from Taranaki I had no no contacts here before I mm. went down this avenue you know and um so it's not like I had that 
everyone knows me from school kind of thing because yeah. no one knew me. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so be prepared to do the hard yards and, and to get the, the fruits of your labour, definitely. Amazing. Yeah. But I think so if, if people are willing to work hard, then, um, then anything's possible. A hundred percent, yeah. And yeah, I think awesome. you get out, you get back what you put out there, definitely. Mm. So community involvement and, and definitely putting yourself out there and helping others um, works twofold, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. So now we come to the, the mystery question Exciting. that I haven't told you about. <laughs> which is, uh, this is a favourite feature on the show cool. where I have the, uh, the amazing question book. So the previous guest writes oh, a question cool. for yeah. you, which means after this you can get to write, write a question, question for the too. next guest. Yeah. So I haven't seen this question. They, yeah. uh, they write it in, uh, in private. So being a, a family show, you always get a little bit worried when, uh, when you see this. Oh no! Ah, oh, brilliant. So this question was from uh, from from Matt Cowley, the uh, the oh, chair. Yeah. yeah, exactly. How good. So um, so yeah. So he said, "Who? Oh, this is quite a safe one. That's always good. You should see some of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you invite to be your dinner guest tonight? And that could be anyone, dead or alive. That sounded like a threat almost. But yeah. So who would you invite to be your dinner guest tonight? I would love to sit down with Simon Sinek. Yeah, just from like some of the stuff that he says, like the podcasts and stuff that I listen to. I listened, I think it's his, his uh, little bit of optimism. Definitely. I listened to that over the last, the three month lockdown that we had in like August or September last year. Mm. And there was a couple of episodes on there that were just like, because at that time, like I was like, I don't know if Miss Jesus is going to make it through this again. Mm. Like how many times can we do this kind of thing? And just one of a couple of his podcasts that I listened to basically helped me gain the strength that I needed at that time to sit back and be like, right, I just need to have another go. Like, mm. what can I change kind of thing? So I definitely would love to sit down with him. Yeah, and it's funny now. Now you mention him because I, I, I love some of his his thoughts on leadership, yeah. uh, especially. And yeah. there's, I think you, you could start to see as a view with you being you know, literally an inspirational leader. I guess it's just that optimism, like always definitely. seeing the like positive outcome and things. And I think that's definitely what, like, on paper, Miss G's probably shouldn't have made it through three three COVID impacts things mm. being in its first two years of trade um and being a bar like the bars are the ones that are being given the most hiding out of, out of the hospitality scene because we yeah. can't really do takeaway food uh drinks and that mm. easy so on paper we probably shouldn't be here but define the optimism. odds yeah that's what it's all about optimism yeah. i love it i think that that's a wonderful way to optimistic notes to, to end <laughs> yeah. the podcast on but if anyone doesn't know miss g's how how do they find you how you know how how do we all start the party yeah. miss g's basically so we're on the strand in the cbd um we're only open four days a week at the moment but the the goal is to extend those hours we've got a new barista that started with us so she's going to be doing like a bit of a cafe style service um earlier in the mornings we've got just put in a four thousand dollar upgrade for our internet so super nice. fast wi-fi and that if you want to come in and have meetings and stuff like that we've got cool little setup for it um but yeah basically once we reopen we'll be trading from lunchtime till 3 a.m in the morning fridays and saturdays and then Amazing. lunch and dinner on thursdays and sundays love it i'm yeah. gonna come in and i'm gonna bring my kids in Did as well to, yeah. um, to to get involved cool. i think when when taming the ferrets goes on the road because yeah. obviously you know, the, the demand for this thing is yeah they want it to go global i'm saying no just keep it here <laughs> in taronga we can't we can't quite fly out to la just yet but i think <laughs> What I'd love to do is actually record an episode 
live from Miss G's. Oh, yeah. We could do one at like lunchtime on a Saturday yeah. and then do like a part two at 2am 2, 2 2 on a Saturday. In the morning. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Like, I'd love yeah, to be. Yeah. With a microphone. Just Interview uh, some of my customers or my guests. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, um, that'd be awesome. That'd be, uh, we need to make that happen, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Ash, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on Taming the Ferrets. We have to have a part two. And uh, yeah, all the best with Miss G's. I'm going to be there all the time. Thank you so much for having me. Cool, thank you. Thank you. Like what you hear? Don't forget to follow us on social media at Taming the Ferrets and to give us five stars on your podcast provider. We're New Zealand's best kept secret, but don't be afraid of sharing us with the world. This has been a WTF experience. Discover more of your favourite shows and learn how to launch your very own podcast at wtfproductions.nz.